Hey everyone, welcome to the Fast and Finance Podcast, and I'm your host, Patrick McCrindle. This podcast is designed for everyday, normal people just looking to improve their personal wealth management and expand their knowledge on the markets. Episodes will be short and sweet, focusing on main topics, then transitioning to market outlooks and discussions. We'll cover all the basic concepts so that you have a strong base knowledge before we dive into anything more specific. Wealth management is a concept that's overlooked in many school systems, and we're here to change that. All right, welcome back, everybody. Today we have another weekly market commentary brought to you by LPL Research and uh, Jeffrey Butchbinder, Lawrence Gillum, and Adam Turnkeist over at LPL. Uh, today's commentary is prospects for a fourth quarter rally. After a difficult September for stocks, investors are surely ready to flip the calendar to October. That's the month that kicks off the historically strong fourth quarter. Expecting this pattern to repeat this year is tricky given the overhang of uh, government shutdown, interest rates near 16-year highs, and markets still trying to digest the Federal Reserve's higher-for-longer message, and a consumer who is facing some stiff headwinds as excess savings are drawn down. Uh, Student loan payments restart, and the effects of hiring uh, higher borrowing costs are incredib- uh, increasingly felt. Amid the complicated backdrop, here we assess prospects for a fourth quarter rally. The fourth quarter has historically been the best for stocks, and it hasn't been particularly a close race. Um, the index has finished higher nearly 80% of the time in the fourth quarter. While we can't stay, say with certainty why the quarter's performance historically sticks out, it does usually overlap with the updated full-year company guidance for the following year, portfolio window dressing into year-end, overall holiday season optimism, and of course a good starting point due to weak September seasonality. Uh, looking ahead with the S&P 500 up 11.7% year-to-date as of September 29th, Another 4.2% on top of what would make for a pretty good year. Uh, we still have to watch for a possible mid to late October low. Uh, the month of October hasn't historically been one of the best months, ranking 6th over the past 5 years, 3rd and 4th over the past 10 and 20 years, and 7th since 1950. Not too exciting. But if you peel back the onion and look at the average path of the S&P 500 over a calendar year, you'll see stocks tend to bottom in October. That means these uh, strong fourth quarter rallies don't typically start until we're a couple of weeks or so into the quarter. Uh, It also means the best two-month period of the year for the S&P 500 on average is November and December, which we wrote about in um, LPL commentary uh, last week. Expectations for volatility also tend to come down as we move into October. The CBOE Volatility Index, more commonly referred to as the VIX, or the fear gauge, right, jumped as much as 40% last month as investors bid up the cost of hedging downside risk. While the move higher um, was significant, it is not surprising, given volatility is mean reverting and the VIX came into September at a three-year low. In addition, the VIX historically advances in September before finally peaking on the year end of September slash early October, around the 40th week of the year, which we just passed. And this market may be set up for that fourth quarter rally we often see, but several things have to happen for the markets to deliver. Perhaps the most obvious potential catalyst for a fourth quarter rally is lower interest rates. From from a fundamental perspective, rates have been driven higher by U.S. economy that has continued to outperform expectations, pushing recession expectations out further, 
and by the unwinding of rate cut expectations by the Federal Reserve to be more in line with the Fed's higher for longer regime. These dynamics have led to a disinversion of the yield curve with the 10-year yield rising faster than the 2-year. This is called a bear steepener. Perhaps surprising to some, given uh, inflation expectations remain relatively well anchored, the move higher in yields recently has been more about improving economic growth and fixed income investors essentially demanding additional compensation for owning those longer maturity treasuries referred to by bond works as the bond term premia. It has not been about rising inflation expectations. So where do we go from here after this relentless move of higher of 0.8% in only three months? A lot of aforementioned catalysts have played out in our view, but until the economic data softens, which we expect over the next several months, we're unlikely to see meaningfully lower yield. Um, a reacceleration in inflation or central banks globally selling more treasuries where the supply and demand picture is tenuous could push rates higher. As such, from a fundamental perspective, we're likely going to see yields in the 4.25 to 4.75 range throughout the rest of 2023, along with the potential to see further flattening of the yield curve and thus yields across the curve at or above 5%. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy struck a surprising last-minute deal with House Democrats to avert a government shutdown and extend current government funding levels for six weeks. The news initially sent stocks higher in pre-market trading before gains faded on that Monday morning, but before you get too comfortable, keep in mind six weeks, we may be right back in the same situation we were in. Um, with that possibility in mind, as negotiations ramp back up over the next several weeks, the key question for investors will be what impact a shutdown could have on the markets and economy, of course. While the history of stock market performance during and shortly after shutdowns is encouraging, uh, on average, stocks have been flat during the past 20 shutdowns, but have been higher during the last five, as markets view these events as temporary with very little economic impact. Also, consider that stocks have been higher by an average of 1.1% during the one month after previous shutdowns ended, with gains in 60% of those periods. The market may be set up well for a fourth quarter rally, however, based on seasonal trends, it may have to wait until the back half of October. Whether that late year rally comes will depend in large part on where interest rates go. It may be difficult for corporate America to come up with good enough things to say to drive stocks higher, given the economy is starting to lose some momentum and the dollar is so strong. And although the government shutdown has been averted for now, it still carries potential to disrupt investor confidence and put pressure back on treasuries. Uh, broadly, the Strategic and Tactical Asset Allocation Committee recommends a neutral tactical allocation to equities with a modest overweight to fixed income funded from cash. The risk-reward trade-off between stocks and bonds looks relatively balanced to us, with core bonds providing a yield advantage over cash. Within equities, the STAAC recommends being neutral on style, favors large caps over smalls, and suggests overweight allocations to the energy and industrial sector, where appropriate. The STAAC also slightly favors developed international equities over the U.S. on the upbeat outlook in Japan, while maintaining an underweight recommendation for emerging markets. Within fixed income, the STAAC recommends an up-in-quality approach with benchmark-level interest rate sensitivity. Core bond sectors, U.S. Treasuries, agency mortgage-backed securities, and short-maturity investment-grade corporates currently look more attractive than plus sectors, high-yield bonds, and non-U.S. sectors.
with the exception of preferred securities, which look attractive after having sold off due to stresses in the banking system. This material is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecast set forth may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. Indexes are unmanaged statistical composites and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment and do not reflect fees, expenses, or sales charges. All performance reference is historical and is no, no guarantee of future results. Any company names noted herein are for educational purposes only and not an indication of trading intent or solicitation or products or services. LPL Financial doesn't provide research on individual equities. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, LPL Financial makes no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. U.S. Treasuries may be considered safe haven investments, but do carry some degree of risk, including interest rate, credit, and market risk. Bonds are subject to market and interest rate risk if sold prior to maturity. Bond values will decline as interest rates rise, and bonds are subject to availability and change in price. Preferred stock dividends are paid in the discretion of the issuing company. Preferred stocks are subject to interest rate and credit risk. As interest rate rises, the price of preferred falls and vice versa. They may be subject to call feature with changing interest rates or credit ratings. Mortgage-backed securities are subject to credit, default, prepayment, extension, market, and interest rate risk. Bonds are subject to market and interest rate risk if sold prior to maturity. Bond values will decline as interest rates rise and bonds subject to availability and change in price. The Standard & Poor's 500 Index, S&P 500, is a capitalization-weighted index of 500 stocks designed to measure performance of the broad domestic economy through changes in, in the aggregate market value of 500 stocks representing all major industries. The P.E. ratio, price-to-earnings ratio, is a measure of the price paid for a share relative to the annual net income or profit earned by the firm per share. It is a financial ratio used for valuation. A higher P.E. ratio means that investors are paying more for each unit of net income, so the stock is more expensive compared to one with a lower P.E. ratio. Earnings per share, EPS, is the portion of a company's profit allocated to each outstanding share of common stock. EPS shares as an indicator of a company's profitability. Earnings per share is generally considered to be the single most important variable in determining a share's price. It is also a major component used to Calculate the price-to-earnings valuation ratio. All index data from FactSet. Value investments can perform differently from the market as a whole. They can remain undervalued by the market for long periods of time. The prices of small-cap stocks are generally more volatile than large-cap stocks. International investing involves special risks such as cur currency fluctuation and political instability and may not be suitable for all investors. These risks are often heightened for investments in emerging markets. LPL Financial does not provide investment banking services and does not engage in initial public offerings or merger and acquisition activities.